Yo, what's going on, bro? Follow me. It's your boy, Jerry, the Fitness General Washington, over here recording episode number 11 for you from General Fitness Company. I really appreciate you listening because you know what it's all about here. We're here to help you level up your mind, body, and soul by helping you set up that framework for your mental, physical, and spiritual fitness. Yeah, that's what it's all about. We're not push-ups and broccoli over here. So much more than that. And today, we're going to be talking about pain. Yeah, I know we talked about pain last week, but today we want to elaborate on what we talked about last week. Last week, as you know, we talked about discomfort and suffering, but today I want us to go a little bit deeper. You know, today I want us to talk a little bit more about what pain does to us, what the root of all pain is, and who suffers from pain, and how you can prevent pain in your life on a consistent basis. So yeah, we have a special guest it's going to be very interesting. We've got a gentleman by the name of Robert Toporek, and he actually he actually studied under this lady. Her name is Ida Rolf. Now, Ida Rolf was the founder and creator of a therapy method called Rolfing. If you Google it, if you're really interested, you can Google it and find out what's really going on with Rolfing. But um, what's important is how our friend Robert DeVore got into this whole situation. Robert was actually a, he served two terms in Vietnam, believe it or not. And um, he actually served with the uh, the first gentleman, the first African-American to win the Medal of Honor. And the way he won it, ah, uh, man, well, we'll let Robert tell you, but this gentleman won the Medal of Honor. And it, I think it helped change uh, the path of, of how Robert eventually uh, went from an angry, uh, self-proclaimed angry gentleman holding on to a lot of pain to the healing guru that is uh, blessing us on this podcast today with his knowledge and his experience. So without further ado, episode 11 of the General Fitness Company cast. What can pain tell us about ourselves? Let's start the show. Well, we're back here at General Fitness. Today we have a special guest, Robert Toporek. I've known Robert for 30 years. And one of the things about Robert that I love is his whole goal in life is to help people. And he spent his whole life helping people. And Jerry likes to help people too. Robert is a rolfer who trained under Ida Rolf in Colorado. And as I said, I've worked with him for 30 years. He's worked with virtually every athlete that I've worked with. He's worked with Super Bowl champion Brett Selleck. He's worked with the second greatest hockey player of all time, Gordie Howe, his son, Mark Howe, Seth Joyner, John Runyon, the list goes on and on. Robert's all about helping people. And today, we're going to talk about pain. And pain means a lot of different things to people. And, and Jerry definitely has definitive ideas on that, and so does Robert. But they're both geared towards helping people that have pain and working through that. So let's start it off with you, Jerry. And uh, what's your what's your philosophy on pain and pain management? Well, uh, for me, like pain, like I think we talked about this last week, is more of a pain is something that is a sensation that will tell you it gives gives you an indicator of like something that something is going on in your life. So it's not necessarily like. I don't see pain as something good or bad. It's just something that's a reminder of like something needs to be maybe um, realized or analyzed in your life. What, what's your first thought when you think about pain, Robert? Well, uh, Dr. Rolf said that uh, pain is usually an indicator of, of something that's out of sync and off balance. And so in her concept of structural integration, 
she discovered that the more um, balanced and aligned and integrated a body is in, around in, in the field of gravity, the less pain or discomfort people have. Well, I must say that uh, I've, I've referred a lot of people to you over the years, and one of the first things that, that people will say is they'll say, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in a lot of pain. I've, I've gone to all these different doctors and tried all these different things, and I don't know what to do. And then I, I always say, well, you should talk to Robert Deporek because he, he can definitely help you. And I know that every time I've gotten up off your table, I felt remarkably improved. And I mean, you were off my kids when they were like two. So I, I'm a big believer in what you do. And although some people have said, that rolfing hurts, but I didn't really ever find it to be painful myself. Well, I, I hung around Dr. Rolf for the last four years of her life, and I was uh, early on, I was at her apartment one day rolfing her secretary, and I was working on her shoulder, and she said, no, don't work on a person's body, work in a person's body. And that shifted my whole consciousness. And then I began to experiment and uh, explore, mm -hmm. and I found that there's a way of working with a person's body where you can produce maximum results with minimal effort. Well, one of the other reasons that I wanted to have you come in today, Robert, was because Jerry is not your normal everyday trainer. Jerry is a great trainer, but he also believes in, in a lot of uh, different mental aspects of, of life and training that, that a lot of people don't really necessarily subscribe to. And I know with you firsthand that it's you know, you want to help people via rolfing, but you're doing so many other things. You have a, a project where you get uh, computers into uh, underprivileged kids' hands. You, you, as you just said, you rolf babies. So there, there's a lot of different things going on. It's not just one element. And that's, that's, tell me a little bit about your philosophy in that regard again, Jerry. Well, yeah, for me, it's um, a little bit more than just, you know, push-ups and broccoli, like I like to say. It's more about like having creating that mental framework so you can make good decisions throughout life. You know, having that mindset to that not only that are you you know living a physically healthy life, but you're also making decisions where you're uh, you know maybe uh, investing money instead of spending money. You know, having um, instead of just fighting with everybody, you're having good relationships with people. So it's more of a, um, a full. I would say I would say the, I call it the good life. As uh, so I think Socrates said it said it first. That's the good life. It's not just one element, but it's uh, living all element, all parts of your life uh, to the best of your ability. And talking about pain, I, I've um, I've run the spectrum of working with people from people living at the top of the mountain, as I say, to people living at the bottom of the mountain at the corner of Nathan, Indiana. <laughs> and there's um, you know when thinking about this whole thing about pain, there's a woman that I rolfed about a year or so ago, and uh, it was remarkable that she ever came to me. And she came to me because she was in pain, but it was emotional pain, so to speak, because she had been sexually abused most of her life by people in her family. Mm. <clears throat> and what pain does, Serious. oftentimes, is it, it causes people to shut down. Yeah. And before coming here, last, I know I was gonna do this last night, and I said, let me look up uh, pain, pain in the brain and as best I can tell there's no agreement pain causes you to shut down mm -hmm. and what happens when you shut down is that it's hard to let anybody in mm -hmm. it's hard to let yourself out and so one of the things that I do is help people open up mm. and uh, let go of whatever it is that's holding them down or holding them back 
I have a way of looking at people and seeing their lives. And so your life shows up in your body mm -hmm. and your body shows up in your life. And if you're walking around with a lot of pain, then that limits who you are and what you can do. So anybody that's listening out there, I would recommend uh, giving Robert a call or checking out his website, which is rolfingtoporek.com. That's T-O-P-O-R-E-K.com. And what, what's your phone number, Bob? 484-744-1868. Mention this podcast and receive your first session of 15 rolfing sessions. 10 rolfing sessions. 10, 10 rolfing sessions at a serious discount. Well, what, one of the things that always struck me about Robert was his commitment to, to helping people and, and helping people that really needed the help. And when I first met him, I was just in the process of doing my first ever charity uh, endeavor. And, and basically wanted to try to catch up to him. And here we are 30 years later. And I still remember going down to the, the Badlands, as it were, and I was kind of scared, actually, even though I was with Seth Joyner. Who, <laughs> he, he's a pretty, pretty bad man, and, but I'll tell you, like, Robert and I were definitely the only white people. In, <laughs> in the Badlands, and, right? And so what, what makes you want to give back and help people so much, Robert? What is it? Well, um, when I look back, it was, um, and I kind of, always kind of been like that kind of person, but then I also spent two years in Vietnam. Oh, okay. And the first year, the um, first African American to be awarded the Medal of Honor in the Vietnam War was in my squad. Oh, cool. And he um, blew himself up with a hand grenade to save four other people. And I was one of the people to help carry his body out of the jungle. We had to literally put his guts back in his body and carry him out of the jungle. And the mantra was, uh, nobody, there was no debriefing afterwards. Nobody said, you know, how do you feel? You know, blah, 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 what are you carrying on? And it's like, uh, so that was one thing. And then uh, March is coming up and there was a moment in March when we were in the jungle and the two people in front of me had got killed and we couldn't, we couldn't get them because we were, the jungle had erupted into July 4th mm. on steroids and oh. we were being attacked. <laughs> Damn. Blah, blah, blah. And so, um, I didn't realize how pissed off I was and how guilty I was. Mm -hmm. And that's another form of pain mm -hmm. um, that I survived and that we couldn't help them. Mm -hmm. what, what was the gentleman's name? That Milton Olive is the guy who, he's the first African-American to be awarded the Medal of Honor in the Vietnam War. And just to clarify, he jumped on a grenade and, and took the brunt of everything to save everybody else. He did, yep. And oh. there were other people in our squad, we, half of our squad got killed or wounded. And by accident, <laughs> it wasn't any act of patriotism. It was, I didn't want to do infantry training in the snow at Fort Carson. <laughs> that seemed to be more painful to me than <laughs> staying in Vietnam. Than staying in Vietnam, okay. So, <laughs> I ended up staying in Vietnam for an extra year. And um, they say that God works in mysterious ways. Mm -hmm. And I ended up running a refugee village for our battalion. Wow. And I was in charge of a group of wounded guys, and we built a couple of schools. We built a playground. We, uh, we built a health center. The thing I was most proud of is we, I don't know how I did it, but we built a health center. We got doctors to volunteer their time once a week. I had an interpreter. Nobody can verify this except my interpreter, mm -hmm. who I haven't seen in 50 years, <laughs> who now lives in 
uh, Bethesda, Maryland. <laughs> Bethesda, how about that? So, and there's a book called, um, I have to think of the book, oh, The Principal's Daughter by Russ Katz, and they talk about that whole year that we were in that village and what it was like. So I just was profoundly struck by two things. The kids of the village, how they took care of themselves, how they take care of each other. Mm. I was like profoundly moved by that. And the second one was when we used to take our garbage out and we would have to take it to the garbage dump. We had a gate that we had to go through. And before we could get through the gate, kids had jumped on the truck, swarming through the garbage <laughs> and eating it. Oh, wow. And I was like, to this day, is still a disgusting sight and experience. You see people so eating garbage. So I decided uh, on March 16th that if I got out of the jungle alive, that I was going to live my life to make a difference. And I believe that we need to practice peace, not weapons. Mm. So, um, and whatever way I can make a difference, I'm out to make a difference. Dr. Roth gave me a gift of being able to touch people and change their lives. And I'm going to say this in the worst way possible. My practice had turned into something where I was doing it mostly with people who were white and could afford my fees, which are pretty substantial. And I made a decision that I didn't want to live my life not bringing this to everybody in the world. Mm -hmm. So I picked the Badlands of North Philadelphia because I wanted to work on kids who are addicted, whose mothers were addicted to crack and cocaine while they're pregnant. Mm -hmm. And um, I was batting my head against the wall trying to get into a hospital because I have no credentials. Mm -hmm. So I said, I'll go where the problem starts, right? At the heart of the Badlands. There you go. Sounds like uh, sounds like you have an anniversary coming up in two weeks. So, oh, there we go. Uh, March 16th. I do, yep. yep. <laughs> That's um, pretty awesome. It That's is. Pretty... How did you segue from helping people by you know releasing the pain from their body to I want to give kids computers? Well, it's <laughs> a great question. There's a place in Chestnut Hill called the Institutes for the Achievement of Human Potential, mm. and they have a one-week course called How to Give Your Baby Encyclopedic Knowledge. And I was rolfing brain-injured children, and a couple of my clients had been there, and they, a guy named Glenn Doman, and they told me, to, you got to go meet Glenn Doman. So I went out there, and I met him, and I was like totally blown away. I've had the privilege of uh, studying with some masters in this lifetime, mm -hmm. and Doman was definitely a master, and I just got enamored by what he was doing. And I did all of his things with my son, and by the time my son was one, he could count to 100 in English and Spanish, and read a thousand words. What? Now here's again, here's, here's the backdrop of that. That's amazing. In Philadelphia, there are approximately 508 elementary schools. Mm -hmm. 450 of them, 75% of the kids in those schools are not proficient in math or reading. That's an impending economic, academic, and social crisis for this country. Yeah. It happens in Camden, in Pottstown, all over. So. I was enamored by the fact that my son could do that. By the time he was two mm -hmm. and a half, he knew how to use a keyboard. Now, two and a half years don't know that. No, definitely not. And he could type, he could put letters together that form words, play Reader Rabbit, Math Rabbit, and Language Express, and if people don't believe me, I videotaped it because I knew they wouldn't. <laughs> up on YouTube. And then when we started going out to the Badlands, I started going into people's homes. Uh, we cleaned up the neighborhood, we built a playground, we started distributing um, books and art supplies and athletic equipment. People were coming out and doing dancing and um, art on the sidewalk. I started going to people's houses and I noticed that everybody had a big TV. Yeah. <laughs> there were no books in their houses. That's how it works. <laughs> and uh, I said, you know what? These kids are not going where my son's going to. 
Some of my clients were in the computer field. I shared with them my vision of being able to give everybody in that neighborhood a computer. And after the after I left that project, everybody at Ninth and Indiana had been, had been mothers, fathers, kids had all been given over a massage or a rolfing session, books, and a computer. Man. And then uh, my ex-wife died of cancer and practice had gone down the tubes. I was broke. Well, 20 years later, we've now distributed 16,000 computers. That's awesome. Uh, and a, a great thing, a kid came into my office the other day, and he's had a computer since high school, and he's now a junior St. Joe's. Now, if, you know, some days I don't feel like waking up and I don't feel like my life's worth it, but when you see you make a difference one kid at a time, then that can solve any pain problem <laughs> I have. <laughs> That's awesome. So it went from just, so it went from you individually helping individuals to you helping out groups of individuals. So it's almost like you wanted to help out even more. So <laughs> and, I, and I have, I've assembled volunteers over the years we've had literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people volunteering. And I give, I create a space for them to be able to contribute and give back. Some of them are senior citizens, some are women, some are uh, teenagers, um, some are young adults in the Asperger's syndrome. And on Saturday, um, we're usually there. This past Saturday, for the last couple past Saturdays, I've got these two little kids. They're all of 11 years old. They're twins. One's tall, one's short. I don't, <laughs> I, I don't know how that works, right? But they are so smart that it's scary. Oh. And they only there because they want to make a difference. Oh, that's and, amazing. You know, so, the, you know, one of the ways of curing pain is by empowering people to make a difference and going beyond their condition. Mm -hmm. I'll say one more thing. I got a guy who uh, I roffed about 30 years ago. Recently, I roffed his wife again, and then she came back for some additional sessions, and she called me up about a month or two ago and said, uh, hey, Tom's in the hospital, and he can't walk. And he went in to get an operation, he came out, he couldn't walk. Oh, no. And he's over right around the corner from you, and can you go work on him? So I did, and part of my working on him was saying, you know, Tom, you still got two arms, you still got two legs, you can walk, not as well as you used to, and you're a smart man, you've done lots of things, figure out what you're going to do with the rest of your life, <laughs> and how you're going to make a difference. Mm -hmm. That will be part of your healing. Mm. So that's what I have to say to everybody. So you just touched on, uh, you know, all the volunteers that you've had over the years. And I know you've had thousands because I've been seeing them for, you know, the, the last 20 some plus years. And what I've also noticed is a lot of these people, they, they may have not been in the best situation themselves, but once they get into a position where they can actually help others and they're doing things and they're being productive, it actually kind of steamrolls and they start to feel better about themselves. And so not only are they helping other people, but they themselves are getting help. Um, that's true. And um, see how I can say this. Oh, I know how I can say this. So um, I just finished writing a book and publishing a book called Hands-On Parenting, A Practical Guide to Massage for Happier, Healthier, Smarter Kids. And I took it on a, a test drive and it failed. And what I realized is that the general population has no reality on the relationship between touch and growth and development. And there's different ways in which you can touch people. Um, so in terms of our volunteers, um, I offer them opportunities for their own personal growth and development. I'm a personal growth and development kind of guy, and I believe that 
uh, you're either growing or you're shrinking mm -hmm. from the moment you're born. Mm -hmm. And you're either going to contract or expand no matter what's going on in your life. And so uh, there's one kid in particular, his kid name was Justin, and he was in the Asperger syndrome. Really brilliant kid. He was 13 years old when he came to volunteer. And his leg shook and he couldn't stand still. And he could, his brain and his mouth didn't connect. Mm -hmm. And no matter how brilliant he was, it wasn't connecting. Mm -hmm. And people were just writing him off. And so I worked with him and over a period of time, um, he had like 18 sessions. I gave him an opportunity to do a program called Landmark Education. I roffed his mother, his father did Landmark, and he's now 21, 22 years old and making about $70,000 a year, being a very effective guy in the world of computers. Well, there you go. We also um, have work with kids from St. Gabe's. St. Gabe's is a place where kids who have already started a life of crime mm. go to, they're put away. And they're, oh, they're some, okay six months, three months, six months, sometimes a year or more, and, they're, and they come in once a week to volunteer. One of the best things that I can do for them is leave them feeling good about themselves and have them walk out of there knowing that they can make a difference. Well, a lot of people talk about doing things and, and wanting to do <clears throat> things, but you certainly have done it and you're to be commended and, and I've always admired that about you. It's, you're always just, you're trying to go deeper and push people to really, like you said, achieve the most that they can. I know you've helped me immeasurably. You briefly touched on the landmark thing and you, you bugged me for probably five or six years to, to do that and I said no and then I eventually <laughs> did it. And, and it, was, it was remarkable. And then, and then you bugged me for another five or six years, if not more, to do the advanced course <laughs> before I did that. And that was even more transformative. So when you want me to do something, I should probably stay <laughs> fighting you on it. I think I told you to do self-expression and leadership, which is interesting, because I'm going to go back to that whole thing. Landmark, both Landmark, Rolfing, I do acupuncture, I've done yoga, I've done massages. I do everything I can to do what I call peel the onion. Mm -hmm. So what happens in life is stuff happens. Yeah, absolutely. And I grew up in the South. My mother was slightly off kilter. I never could put my finger on it until one day she shared with me that she'd been sexually abused by her father. Made it all made sense mm. what was happening. And I kind of provoked my mother as kind of like a bad boy. She didn't spank us, she beat us. Mm. Literally beat us. Yeah. She had something called a cat of nine tails. And a what? She was proud. It was a piece of leather with strips cut into it. And, she, and her parents had beat her with it. And she was kind of proud that she was passing it on to us. <laughs> passing on her beatings. <laughs> and in terms of dealing with myself, I had to deal with all that stored pain mm -hmm. and all the decisions that I made. And the one decision was, you're not going to get to me. And mm -hmm. I pretty much became a tough kid, yeah. tough character. Vietnam, I got to refine being tough. Yeah. You know, you don't go to Vietnam and then say, uh... Can I call my mom? So little by little, it all adds up to, you know, opening yourself up, mm -hmm. letting go of all your painful experiences. And then I have the, the gift of being able to pass it on to other people and maybe even passing on to the next generation. I want to say one more thing about that. I, last week, I brought this little girl. I think she's nine years old. And she has a severe scoliosis. Mm -hmm. And I have a theme to every one of my sessions. And the session one is called letting go, enjoying the ride. Anything you can't let go of will hold you down and hold you back. And so I said, is there anything that you're holding on to? And she said, yep, 
at school, they started a rumor that I had wet my pants, and now everybody is making fun of me. I mm. said, wow, that's pretty painful, isn't it? She said, yeah. And then somehow or another she was able to let that go and transform it. I'm going to see her this week, and I'll see whether her mother went to the principal and got that straightened out. But this crap's happening every day mm -hmm. to everybody, no matter who you are, no matter whether you're rich or poor or in between. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we are carrying that stuff around and passing it on. And what we could do is pass on some new possibility for the next generation. And thanks for what you're doing. Yeah. You're helping people. Yeah, we're out. Yeah, that's what we do. We're trying to get out here and just help people and find solutions. And it sounds like what you're talking about. It's not like everybody kind of seems like when we were born, we have these sets of of ways we do things that we learn from either our parents or we've kind of picked up from our, our community around us. And it's always good to have people that are maybe a little bit more enlightened or just see things from a different perspective to be able to give us those instructions and how that we can maybe live a little bit differently. So I agree with that. Today's March 1. March 1. Well, if you're in pain and you have neck pain, back pain, whatever kind of pain, I, I highly recommend giving Robert Toporic a call because he can help you. And what's that number again, Bob? 484-744-1868. And if you're a person that's in charge of a company and you have a bunch of extra computers and you want to put them to good use, call him up too. Or go onto his website at? Uh, www.teamchildren.org. And you too can help uh, educate our city's youth and get computers in their hands and help out. And uh, once again, if you're, if you're trying to better yourself in terms of physical performance, definitely talk to my man Jerry at General Fitness. And what's the number, Jerry? The number here is 484. You got those 484 numbers in the house. 484 231 8500. So that is the end of episode number 11 on what pain can teach us about ourselves. You know, pain can teach us quite a bit. And as you learn today, it can change your life. It can literally change the direction that your life is going. So, um, yeah, I learned a lot from this episode, and I hope you did too. What I would like from you is if you learned anything or if you feel that anybody else that you know can learn something from this episode or any of our past 10 episodes... I'd love for you to share this. You know, obviously, um, you listening is great, and you rating it on iTunes, uh, five stars, or whatever you can do on iTunes is great. But if you leave a review, or even better, share it with your friends, that's the move. Again, I appreciate you listening, and as always, keep good company.